Liz Mallers is an experienced sexuality educator who coaches individuals and couples on their sex, intimacy, and pleasure. She has been a guest speaker on podcasts, facilitated original workshops, and consulted grade schools on quality sexuality education programming. Liz earned her Master's of Education in Human Sexuality degree from Widener University in 2016 before moving to Charlotte, North Carolina, where she now resides. I'm super stoked. This was a really awesome and intriguing conversation I had with Liz. So please join me in welcoming Liz Mallers to the show today. All right, everyone. I am really excited and honored to introduce to you Liz Mallers. Her pronouns are she, her, hers. She has her master's in education, specifically in human sexuality studies. She is a sexuality educator and coach. Liz, can you say hi to our audience today? Hello, everybody, and thank you, Lauren, for having me on. I am really excited to be on the show. Yes, it's a privilege to have you on here. I'd love to start with you just introducing how you got into human sexuality is quite an intriguing field. So I'd love to hear your personal journey and how you ended up being a sexuality educator. Yeah, that um, honestly kind of started out as a joke between myself and a friend. I love it. That's so cool. (laughs) Yeah, I was an undergrad. This was my junior year. I was sitting in organic chemistry and I I liked the course, but not the pace at which my professor was expected us to learn everything. It was just a little too much, too fast for me. And I joked with my my friend in the class as well. I said, you know what? I don't think I, I was on track to be to go to medical school. And I thought, you know, I'm not going to do this after all. I'm going to drop this and do something totally different. And she said, what are you going to do? And I said, oh, I don't know something sexuality related and she said Liz you'd be really good at that so I took pause and talked to somebody at the Kinsey Institute there at Indiana University and dropped the class and switched my major the next day and ended up applying to grad school instead of medical school and never looked back oh I love it that's such a cool story because most of the time people are like it was either for self-exploration or it was because they were always interested. So that's such a unique path. Yeah, definitely always interested in. I love the body and psychology and anatomy and physiology and sexuality. You know, at the time I didn't realize was so involved in all of that. So it really encompasses all of the the life sciences. So it's, it's the perfect mashup for me. Oh, so fun. I actually took a sexual psychology course and that's how I got so intrigued because people don't realize like, I think we focus so much, especially especially in like healthcare on nutrition, then we have our physical fitness and now thankfully mental health is being brought out more into the mix. But there is such a lack of information on sexual health and that's why I feel like educators like yourself are so pivotal to people's health and overall well-being yeah yeah not only a lack of information out there but such an abundance of bad information (laughs) really information for sure yeah I'm sure you hear it all the time what are some common myths or questions that people come to you and ask regularly um, questions I get are mostly the am I normal questions, you know, 
this is going on in my life, is it normal? Or this is going on with my body, is that normal? And the answer is almost always yes. If it doesn't hurt or you're not hurting somebody else or whatever, yes, it's totally normal. Um, Aside from the am I normal questions, it's a lot to do with when, when couples ask me a question, it's, it's a lot of um, mismatched libidos mm. and struggling to align their libidos or both be satisfied with the pace at which they have sex, the frequency of sex, the kind of sex they're having, um, and what it comes down to with every single person I see, whether you're a couple or an individual or a throuple or whoever, it's almost always coming down to communication. So, yeah. That's a yeah, big one. Yeah, lots of communication skill building is, mm. is what I help people with. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to dive more into communication because we hear that all the time, that communication is key to a healthy relationships. What exactly are tools or steps that you suggest to people and couples on how to build that rapport, that trust, and that safety in their communication? Mm-hmm. Well, you said two of the big things is trust and safety. Um, that's kind of what I ask people about right out the gate is like, do you, do you trust yourself Mm. and do you trust your partner? Do you feel safe with your partner enough to be total, totally vulnerable with them? Um, not only just naked and totally stark nude in front of them, but to talk about your deepest fantasies and your deepest desires, um, and really understanding what does it feel like when you're safe? Because some people say, oh, yeah, I feel totally trusted and I feel totally safe uh, with my partner. And then we do some digging, and it turns out they don't actually trust their partner totally. I mean, they trust them, but they don't feel super safe with them to open up completely. So sure. some of the things, some of like the exercises or, or ways that I guide people with communication is um, asking open-ended questions for sure. Um, trying to steer clear of those yes or no questions, especially when it's like, you know, do you like this? Does this feel good? That doesn't give you any information, but saying, what do you like about this? Or how can I make this better? Right. Um, in terms of just the, um, mismatched libidos or, or not being on the same page with what you like about sex and all that and not having a totally satisfied sex life there's usually a lot of unspoken expectations Hmm. from both partners and both partners are expecting their partner to pick up on uh things you know this hint or (laughs) well they knew i liked it before so why aren't they doing it now Mm -hmm. or you know these unspoken expectations set yourself up for disappointment. So really digging into that and understanding, okay, well, what is it that you're not saying that you should be telling your partner? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, subtle hints never really go too far. It never ends well when you try to drop hints. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no way. No, no way. it's a, a breeding ground for resentment. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And then I guess, too, the... Um, Timing when you talk about sex and where you talk about sex is big, big, big. A lot of people want to talk about it in the moment when it's happening and they point it out maybe with like a, you know, 
not so friendly tone because they're frustrated and you want to talk about it. Maybe like a kitchen table discussion, if you will, mm-hmm. outside the bedroom when you're not in the heat at the moment, when you're not under the influence of alcohol or something else. Sure. And yeah, everybody's cool, calm and collected and ready to receive some maybe critical feedback. Mm, that's Thank you for mentioning that because I was going to ask why is talking about it in the heat of the moment often come with negative outcomes? And is that because people, A, are, all these endorphins are going, maybe they're not ready, and two, perhaps because it's a vulnerable circumstance? Oh, yeah. Oh, sex is such a vulnerable position to be in. It's one of the rawest feelings that you can have, which is great because it can elicit such wonderful connections with people when you totally open up to somebody, but it also can be incredibly, incredibly painful if it doesn't go your way. And critical feedback when you're that raw and open can sting a little bit more than when you're, you know, clothed (laughs) and upright and not, you know, in somebody or when somebody's in you or whatever. So yeah, it's, um, it's, it's definitely a vulnerability thing for sure. Mm. Um, and, and also when, well, we're not taught to talk about sex. We're not really taught to communicate. Nope. (laughs) Let alone about sex or intimacy or relationships or pleasure or any of that. So, um, a lot of us don't have the skill set to deliver this critical feedback very um, tactfully, uh, nor do we receive it very well. You know, uh, we we receive it with daggers or like, oh, so I'm not doing this right, or yeah. are you not satisfied with me then? And it's not necessarily the case. So, yeah, just taking yeah. the conversation out of the bedroom. Because conversation is work, right? You want to leave the play in the bedroom. Hmm. You want to leave the work out of the bedroom. Keep work and play separate, right? Love that. Yes. Yes, well said. I think a lot of us, myself included, we can respond with either defensiveness or passive aggression when it comes to receiving feedback or perhaps criticisms. But instead, if you both go into it with an open mind, I find that in sex, anything related to pleasure, intimacy, it's so important to have a non-judgmental space and an open mind when going into these hard conversations. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want to kind of give you a, a scenario that one of my best friends is going through. And okay. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, which you brought up before. Mitch mixed matched libidos. So this particular, I know a lot of um, misconceptions think that people with penises or male bodies always want sex all the time. Mm-hmm. And whereas there's this like sort of stereotype that women are the more docile, meek ones, which is not true for everyone. Everyone's completely different, right? But in her particular relationship, she wants sex. She could have sex like every day. Whereas her partner really only wants it once a week. And she's starting to get so frustrated because she's coming to me and saying, I feel undesired. I feel like he doesn't want me. And what am I supposed to do in this scenario? So I'm sure you've heard of a scenario like this before. What is some feedback that you would provide someone dealing with this? 
Mm-hmm. Oh, that is so common. Yeah. Uh, almost every couple will have a mismatched libido. Um, for her, I would say, well, what is it about sex that you want so badly? Is it the orgasm? Is it the connection with your partner? Is it, you know, the intimacy? Is it the closeness? You know, what is it that you're craving specifically? Um, and then go from there. Maybe, uh, maybe her partner actually would like whatever that specific thing is too more often. Um, I would also encourage her to have a conversation with her partner about what is it that, um, is not encouraging you to want to have sex more often. Mm -hmm. Of course, if, if there's a lower libido happening, there's not a whole lot you can do there. It's not like you're going to, I mean, you don't really want to have sex if you don't have sex. That's not, it's coercion. It's not, you know, we don't want to encourage that. But if it is the closeness or intimacy that she's craving, maybe her partner would say, Oh yeah, that's great. I would love to, you know, have some like eye contact and like swapping massages. If it's touch that you want, or, you know, Maybe it's just quality time. Maybe when they're not having sex, they're not um, spending time together. Maybe they're on their phones or respective devices or kind of like ignoring each other together, you know, (laughs) when you're spending time together, but you're on your own phone. Mm -hmm. So really understanding what specifically she's craving. And um, if it is, if it is very much wrapped up in sex itself, Maybe, and her partner just isn't quite as spontaneous about it. Um, Maybe, and I know I get a lot of pushback when I say this, but maybe having more scheduled sex would be something because when you schedule sex, and I know it sounds like the most unsexy thing in the world, (laughs) but when you schedule sex, you both see it on your calendar, and then anticipation builds, that sexual tension builds, it gives you both something to look forward to, you know you're going to be spending time with that person then, and um, it also says, hey, my partner set this time aside for me, you know, and I'm doing that for them, so maybe that would be something for them, I don't know. Uh, and also, like, where's their compromise? Maybe her partner would say, like, you know what? I would prefer sex once a week, but I could get into it twice a week mm. or whatever the number would be for them. Yeah, and also, I love that. Yeah, yeah. What is it about the frequency, though? Is it, I mean, frequency of sex versus the quality of sex, the quantity versus quality. Is the sex that they are having, is it really, really good? Is she craving it more because there's not a whole lot of satisfaction with the one time that they have sex a week, right? Mm. So what's what's going on? You know, I have lots of questions for you, friend. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that advice. I love scheduled sex. I don't know why so many pe- people, like, push back on it. I think it's awesome because, let's say, you have a date night on Monday it's like you would prepare for that date you'd maybe like put some body lotion on spray some perfume so it's like something to look forward to totally yes yeah. <laughs> and exactly what you're saying the whole getting ready part I mean so many of us get turned on between our ears before we do between our legs mm-hmm. and that getting ready process and routine 
puts us in the mood. It helps us be more present with ourselves and our partner, which is huge when we do come together with our partner. So mm. yeah, yeah, I'm a big, a big advocate for scheduled sex too. Yes, we love it. <laughs> Every sex educator I know loves it for the most part. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I'm it sounds worse than it is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So when it comes to like sexual satisfaction. What are some common um, dissatisfactions, I want to say, with all genders when it comes to partnered sex in particular? What are some complaints that you often hear? Mm, complaints would be, oh gosh, one of the biggest ones is, you know, my partner not being able to give me an orgasm. And I have to stop that person, whoever's saying it, and say, well, who said your partner has to give it to you? Because last I checked, you're responsible for your own orgasm. (laughs) I mean, sure, sure, your partner can get you there through the stimulation they give you. But you're the one responsible for allowing yourself to take down your inhibitions and let that happen in front of them, right? You can have a mental block. It's it's on you to take down your mental block. It's on you to um, communicate with your partner what's working and what's not. It's on you to pull out a toy and introduce the toy into the partnered sex play if that's your jam and that's what works for you, right? Yeah. So definitely, definitely that my partner is not giving me an orgasm is probably the number one thing that I get from couples. <laughs> oh, from couples. It's not just from vulva owners in particular. <laughs> vulva owners in particular. Yeah. Vulva owners in particular, yes, definitely. Um yeah. And and then aside from the mismatched libidos, which is way up there in the complaint list, but uh, let's see what else is there. Which one should I choose? <laughs> <They're> so, <bad. laughs> so many. Um, not having enough variation mm-hmm. and having like, you know, boring routine sex. I'm um, doing the same things over and over again, um, which... Yeah. Routine is such, such a, um, like, sex killer, or not sex killer, it's, it's a, it's like a, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, a mood killer? It's a mood It's killer. like stagnating, uh, I don't know the word either, but it's like in my head. <laughs> I have it, I have it, it's just so close. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it kills the, um, like, attraction and appeal of sex. It doesn't make you want to have it if you know, you know, you eat the same meal every day. You're not going to like it, even if it's your favorite meal. Oh, I love pepperoni and jalapeno pizza. If I eat it every day, I'm not going to want it after a week or probably after the third meal, honestly. So the same as goes with sex. You're going to want some variation. Novelty really helps that. And um, new places, new positions. Um, new lingerie, new dirty words, mm. new 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 toys, new anything, anything yeah. new. Try out, you know. Okay. Yeah. yeah, the spontaneity is important too, I think. And what about people that can't necessarily have sex in other places? Because I was going to ask, what is the one of the solutions for that to spice it up and change it up? What about people that? have kids in the house or let's say you're 21 years old and you're just going to your partner's house and they live with their parents what do you suggest for that because that could be Mm -hmm. a roadblock it sure can 
Um, if if they're comfortable with it, role playing can be a great way to introduce something new. Uh, and there's just endless opportunities if if you both happen to be in role play. Uh, not everybody's into that. A lot of people feel super silly. Um, <laughs> so then I suggest, you know, what what can you do to change your sexual script? Mm. So when you, um, your sexual script is like, okay, first we kiss a little bit, then he touches my boobs, then I play with his dick a little bit, and then we have intercourse, and then we're finished, right? And it's kind of generally that script every single time. But what if you shook it up? What if you put all of that in a shaker and, like, poured it out and rearranged it or took some things out and added some different things, right? What would you get? What if you took, um, if it's a heterosexual couple, what if you took intercourse out of it? Mm. What would you do then, right? Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Or what um, what if you challenged yourself to get each other off or find your orgasm in a totally new way that you've never done it before. Mm. Or um, what if, I love erotic literature, it's great. What if you each came to the table with an erotic literature uh, or erotic story that really got you going and you read it aloud to your partner? Ooh, that's so fun. I love that. It gives you insight into what your partner is into and yeah. kind of what gets them going. Okay. And it's something intimate. If if you feel comfortable reading in front of... I personally do not feel comfortable <laughs> reading in front of people, so this wouldn't be my jam. <laughs> but for many people, they like reading aloud or they like, you know, sharing literature with, you know, friends and partners. So this that's a great one for them. If it's not literature, you know maybe ethical porn or something yeah. like that. Uh, wow. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. your transparency. That made me <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I get high anxiety reading in front of people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ditto. Ditto. Yeah. That's some really good suggestions. I think when it comes to sex, especially if you're in like a long-term partnership, it could become so routine. It's like, I'm going to do this and we're going to go here and then you're going to do this and it's going to end this way. And something that I did with my boyfriend at the time we took out um I purchased like a board game it was like a sexual like you know those dice or those cards and that kind of just made it like the anticipation was heightened and it was kind of fun oh yeah yeah and you know some of my clients have said oh don't suggest those games or don't suggest those you know dice games or card games it it just it feels silly we just feel silly doing it and I'm like well what's wrong with feeling silly that can be really intimate and that could be a I mean if you laugh together that's a connection that you're making and even if you both hate it well there's a connection in hating something together right facts (laughs) yeah no sex doesn't have to be so serious I think we put so much pressure on ourselves to like we have to look like this like amazonian goddess and we can't make noises and we can't have bodily flu it's like come on (laughs) i know we get too wrapped up and what we should or should not be looking like smelling like tasting like doing behaving and uh, that's boring do away with all that yeah when you're on guard like that you really can't 
surrender and relax into the moment, which is so important when having, I think, enjoyable sex is to be mindful and present. Oh, yeah, yeah. And when you can't be mindful and present, you yeah, you keep yourself up in your head and you're not in your body. And that really, really um, limits the depth of intimacy you can get with your partner. Mm, absolutely. Cool. Well, Liz, I want to ask you another scenario that I thought of when you were talking. Okay, so let's say it's a same-sex queer relationship, and one partner says to her girlfriend that she wants to please her, and maybe the, the other partner's not getting off. I find this a lot with women, too. The woman says, well, damn, I don't, I don't really know what I like. How would you suggest to a person that doesn't really know what their turn-ons are, they don't never really um, dip their toe into fantasy and so on, how would you um, tell them to kind of go about with that self-exploration? Yeah, yeah. Well, I would hope that they would be comfortable with exploring solo sex mm-hmm. and masturbation, right? Um, you got to figure out what you like on your own first so that you can communicate it with a partner. Um, of course, sometimes partners end up doing something too. And you're like, Oh yeah, that's, that's the thing that I like. But again, it's up to you. Like your orgasm is your responsibility. Your pleasure is your responsibility. So, um, taking the time and it does take time, but taking the time to explore your own body. And it doesn't have to start with touching your genitals. A lot of people who I suggest this to, women who I suggest this to in particular, um, they, who are not um, already masturbating, or they're kind of squeamed out by it, or they grew up in a religious household, they were taught it was wrong, you know, I say, well, don't start with touching your boobs or your vulva, you know, what's wrong with touching your arms or your neck or your belly? You know, why don't you just run your hands over your body real soft with love and intention and see what feels good. I mean, we have erogenous zones all over our body mm-hmm. that give us so much sexual pleasure if we allow it mentally to give us sexual pleasure. Why don't we just start there, right? And not put the pressure to go straight for genitals or not put the pressure to give yourself an orgasm, right? Um, Just being present with yourself and just touching yourself and seeing how your body responds, how your mind responds. Um, I also also really, really encourage every single vulva owner to look in the mirror at Mm. her vulva. (laughs) Yeah. So many vulva owners have never looked in the mirror. uh, And that's a big piece for somebody like you're saying who doesn't really know what they like well why why don't you look at yourself maybe touch your lips do they respond do they darken in color and swell in response to arousal you know just learn your body first and then and then you know explore what does this do for me what do I kind of like what do I really not like Cause that's just as important, if not more important than learning what you do like. Mm. Um, and yeah, definitely going from there, breathing and meditating is, does wonders for remaining present with yourself. Sure. Um, paying attention to internal dialogues, 
is huge, mm-hmm. especially, well, for everybody. But, you know, we are unfortunately in a world where everything, almost everything we see on any kind of media will give us a negative message about us and many times about our bodies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that will totally impede our ability to fully let loose and enjoy touching our body and exploring our body and experiencing our body and getting curious about our bodies. So definitely paying attention to your internal dialogue and talking to yourself like you would to your best friend and being your own best friend. Um, if you end up talking to your, if because a lot of times we have this internal dialogue that we don't even realize until we intentionally say, oh, yeah, yeah, I am actually really mean to myself. (laughs) (laughs) And if you first notice it and then you say, oh, I would never tell my best friend that, then why are you telling yourself that, right? Mm. So rewriting your internal dialogue and, um, I mean, really, I mean, you can start at just that basic level. I mean, that was a lot, but... (laughs) I love it. That's Keep so going. <laughs> so good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so true. It's funny you mentioned that, Liz, because today, um, on my way to work, I was listening to Sex with Emily, plugging another mm-hmm. podcast here. Um, go check it out if you okay. haven't already. And she was reading a listener question, and the listener had so much disdain for their own body. They said something along the lines that they were very um, disgusted by their labia, she was like, it's so long, it's disgusting, no one would ever love me. And I was just like, damn, girl, you were really mean to yourself. Like, even it even offended me because I was like, even I'm not that mean to myself. Wow. Yes, so yeah. it's like, how could you, I mean, I'm sure I identify as a woman and I think a lot of people that are female feel this way where we have so much um, insecurity, especially with the age of TikTok and Instagram and Pornhub. And it's like, if we don't feel good or sexy, it's in the moment, if we're not comfortable being seen with the lights on, it's going to be kind of hard to have that connection with our partners when we do have penetrative or any type of sex. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And it all starts with yourself. It all starts with yourself. Um, I mean, healing can definitely happen with a partner For sure. present. Um, and with a partner's guidance and help and encouragement, absolutely. But yeah, wow, it's oh, my heart goes out to that person. No, I was like, <laughs> oh, oh, it, it it would be tough. I mean, and so, so many you mentioned um, having sex with the lights off or something like that, and so many women specifically are very keen on having sex with the lights off for that reason of not wanting to show these insecure parts of their bodies to their partner. Um, and, oh gosh, it just, it really, I think, well, what are you, what are you hiding from then? Or what are you still thinking about if a light happens to go on? Or what if, you know, you're having sex in the middle of the day and you don't have blackout curtains, right? Or are you really going to keep yourself from, engaging with your partner because you don't I mean and yeah some people would go that far um yeah. so sad but it's really inhibiting on 
on so many, so many aspects of life. Yeah. But being one of them for sure. Completely. I want to wrap up here. Two more questions. Um, when you said something along the lines of it's your own responsibility to give yourself an orgasm, I could kind of like hear people saying uh, like, well, what about my partner is really selfish. They don't care about my orgasm. They don't even try. Do you think for those instances where it's kind of like one and done and then you're just left in the dark, like, well, what about me? Do you think that that is a possibility that you can kind of, I hate to use the word train, but through communicating, you can kind of help your partner get there? Or would you say that's kind of a red flag that that's probably not your person? I'm just curious what your opinion on that is. <laughs> oh, that's very situational, I think. Um, are there other instances? Where else in the relationship might they be ignoring your needs and wants, mm -hmm. right? If it's nowhere else, then yeah. I mean, for sure, you can, you can work with that person and help mold them into figuring out how to please you mm. and how to um, really be present with you and really engage with you, right? Um, there are cases where people are just not compatible. I mean, absolutely. If the chemistry is not there and if, if you're already mentally checked out of it, that's going to be tough to come back from. Not to say it can't be done, but I do think people can be taught. I do think people... Um, can be like trained as you're saying and, I, I meant to say taught I don't know why I said trained like a dog <laughs> <laughs> it's all good I knew what you meant Okay. your, your intention was good I got you <laughs> um, yeah people can definitely be taught I think what would need to happen before that even like gets starts rolling out is a conversation about does that person even want to learn what you like? Um, if you open the conversation and say like, hey, can I talk to you about things that are working well and things that aren't working well in the bedroom and how we could improve a little bit? And I'd also like to know your answer to those as well, right? Because it's a two-way street. Yeah. Um, if they're receptive to that, oh gosh, there's so much potential, right? <laughs> you're probably looking at a really rocking sex life if they're receptive to that question. Mm. Um, if they say, nah, it's, you know, I'm satisfied. You don't think it's good? Well, you know, Ugh. then that <laughs> might be the red flag right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I love those conversations because I feel like they only make sex better, you know? Mm -hmm. I agree, I yeah. agree. Cool. Well, my last question for you is a personal question. It's a funner question. What are some products or brands that you personally love, like lubes, toys, lingerie, anything that you could recommend for our listeners? Mm -hmm. Ooh, you mentioned lingerie. I, I don't, my mind doesn't automatically go to lingerie when I think <laughs> of products to recommend. Ah, oh, thank you for that. Of course. Uh, yeah. Yes, lingerie, anything that you can wear, any wearables that make you feel sexy or ha make you feel empowered, mm -hmm. absolutely, whether it's shoes or a certain hairstyle or, a, you know, a certain pair of glasses or something or jewelry, there's a lot of, ooh, there's, I have been, 
I swear my search history is probably every other search I do is about intimate jewelry or body jewelry. Yeah. Instead of like lingerie. Now I'm like, well, I'm going to do away with the leather and lace. And what about this like body chains and stuff? Oh, I just, I think that's so fun. That is Um, fun. That's really cool. I'll have to look that up. Definitely. (laughs) There's some all over Etsy and lots of other places. Um, but other products I recommend in terms of lube, uh, anything that is body safe. I mean, definitely check your ingredients. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Um, I trust Uber lube. Um, Slickwood's a good one. If you're looking for water base as well as good clean love. Um, there's a lot out there. I mean, I could, I could (laughs) list a lot and I, I'm not very good at checking the ingredients, before I mean like I can't I can't possibly check every single lube for their ingredients Um, but those are three that I do like um in terms of like sex toy products I oh man for brands I always look for body safe like medical grade silicone is like the number one ingredient or ingredient material that I will tell people to look for um, it's non-porous. You can, um, you know, sterilize it so that it doesn't grow bacteria, give you infection, blah, blah, blah. So um, Lilo, Dame, We Vibe, mm-hmm. Jeju, um, Fun Factory has a lot of good ones. And Tanga for our penis owners. Tanga has a lot of really good fun strokers and eggs and all that. Ooh. Yeah, those are my, those are some of my top brands that I always recommend. They are a little on the pricier side they do have more affordable options but um in many ways you also pay for what you get so these should last you a good long time yes agreed I think it's well worth it I find a lot of times those cheaper toys depending on what you get they could have hazardous materials or ingredients that could be toxic and I've had I love the brand womanizer I have like 50 of them. They've lasted me years and a lot of them come back with like a five-year, one-year warranty too. A womanizer is a great one. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) The best. (laughs) Oh, so good. (laughs) Yes. Well, Liz, thank you so much. I've loved this conversation. It's been so fun. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you and check out your work? Yeah. My website is my name, lizmallers.com. So that's L-I-Z-M-A-L-L-E-R-S.com. And my handle on Instagram is Liz the Sexpert. And that's also where you can find me on Facebook. Um, I'm not great at social media. So me <laughs> I should be on TikTok, but that's just so much extra. I mean, I'm just trying to handle a couple platforms at a time. Mm-hmm. I feel you. <laughs> So that's where I'm at for now. All right, great. Well, I'll list all those in the show notes once again. Thank you so much, Liz. I love your energy and thank you for sharing your wisdom. It's been really fun. Thanks for having me on, Lauren. This has been a blast. Thank you so much for listening to Spiritual and Bipolar with Lauren Coletti. If you would like to support the show, you can enter to win a $25 Avi gift card by rating me five stars and sending me a screenshot of your five-star review via Instagram, which I will list in the show notes. If you are enjoying Spiritual and Bipolar, I would love it if you shared with a friend or someone you think could benefit from the show. 
I would love to hear from you, so never hesitate to reach out and tell me your thoughts, suggestions for guests and topics, or apply to share your story on the show. All my love.